0: Welcome to the latest episode of the Keeping Paced podcast. I'm your host, Mike Moreau. Jessica Murphy, co-founder of Bib Brave, is my guest on this episode. Jessica and I have a short but fun conversation on a wide variety of topics. We cover Bib Brave and how it's evolved, run to escape, a new venture for them, and how Jess got into CrossFit. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey Jess, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining me.
1: Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. Excited to chat. It's been a while since we've had a chance to catch up.
0: It it really has been. And, and excuse me for being a little bit rusty. This is my first interview and in quite a long time.
1: <laughs> no worries at all. Um, can I kick us off with a fun story? Because I was thinking about how we met back when I lived in Chicago. And it was reminded of a very fun story um, when we ran the Chicago Marathon in 2014. And I don't know if you remember this, but you saw me on course at the marathon, which is just fascinating because think about how many tens of thousands of people are running. The fact that you would see somebody you knew, and we like had not really met each other in person very much, but you recognized me. I had my big brave tank. You were running up to me and saying hi. And you just look so good. And I was like, You look so great. Don't keep talking to me. Just keep going. And you passed me. It had to have been like somewhere in the middle of the race, like, you know, mile 10 to 13-ish, because I remember we were, like, in the heart of the city, and I was like, go, go, and you ran, like, such an amazing race that day. I remember, I don't remember the time, but I remember you, like, exceeded your expectations from a a time perspective.
0: (laughs) That's a funny story. I completely forgot about that until just now, and I felt really bad, because I think you said you were, like, cramping or something, and just, like, you weren't, like, feeling good. And I like, I think I hung around for a little bit just to like, maybe see if that would help like boost your morale a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, It was so sweet of you. And again, I think we had met each other maybe on Twitter via bib chat. And so you, we were like, Oh my gosh, so good to meet you. And I had gone into that race, not really knowing what to expect. I did my first ultra marathon a couple of weeks ago. And so I didn't really do marathon training. So I When you don't train for a specific time, it's kind of hard to know, like how your body will respond. But I ended up having a really good race that day, too. So whatever happens when you saw me past, I had a great race. You had a great race. So all good memories around.
0: (laughs) That's such a funny story. And I'm glad that is that's a memory you have of me. And it's so positive.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess just remember you were like, oh, do you want me to hang around? I was like, no, you look great. You should be running a lot faster. Keep going.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. good, good way to kick kick this off. And yeah. I mean, while we're at it, you know, I you know I don't know a ton about your running journey. So let's talk about how you started running,
1: yes, um, I was not an athletic person growing up. I grew up in the arts in like musical theater and band and choir. And so, Running for me has been very much an adult pursuit, which I know it is for a lot of people. But I think I I very much was one of those people who thought my body was not made to run because when I would get on a treadmill, I would get side stitches really bad. Obviously, we've just talked about it. Like I still get plagued by stomach cramps and side stitches, but I've learned to run through them. And the first time I ever really signed up for any type of race, I signed up for the Chicago Marathon in 2009, which is not your normal journey. But um, I kind of, I think that's what it took for me to go all in. So my girlfriend um, and I had been driving around the city the year before the day of the marathon. And I just couldn't believe that people were running 26 miles. And I have this kind of story I've told many times where she kind of said, you could do that if you trained. And I was very argumentative. I thought, no, I could barely run 20 minutes on the treadmill. And this one line, and I I've said this line so many times since then, I really hope it's not something I fabricated in my brain. Uh, I remember she said, you're young and you're healthy, and it will never get easier than it is now. And so I was 26 at the time. And I was like, yeah, that's right. What if like, I want to run a marathon when I'm 40 or 50, it obviously would be easier quote in quotes now. So I committed to doing the marathon having like never run a 5k. And I read, everything I needed to read about it. I read a ton of Runner's World articles. I found a very basic training plan. And yeah, that running that first marathon definitely changed my life. Like all of the training, I just couldn't believe that my body was doing it. And it gave me such a sense of empowerment that that's why I continue to run today. I now work in running because I just loved that feeling of empowerment that I got from running.
0: That's pretty awesome. And that you've kept going with it. And now you you're what is it fair to say your life kind of revolves around it considering what you and Tim have as a business?
1: Yeah, I mean it's so funny because I'm like, we're runners. We run. We work in running. You know, at least now I do feel like we've broadened our personal like obsession with fitness because I've done a lot of yoga. I've done strength training, uh, which I think is good and I think everybody should do. But yeah, running is a, a huge part of our life, but you know, for a very good reason.
0: Let's. I guess we'll just jump into Bib Brave. We're kind of fast forwarding a little bit, but. How did the idea, you know, for you, you all come about because I I think both of you were, were you in finance or like the, the you know, the corporate world and, you know, what made you decide to want to start your own business?
1: Totally. So I've always worked for large companies. I worked for a very large advertising agency in Chicago. I've worked for large publishing companies. Tim has much more embraced that entrepreneurial spirit. He's had started a business before we started BibRave. I'm a little bit more risk averse, so it's not something I would have picked up on my own, uh, but was something that I felt strongly that I could do in partnership with Tim. But the reason we started BibRave, so we started running a lot of races. And if you think that was like right, in the heart of the running boom in that, like, you know, we ran in 2009 and then started to run a a lot of races in the early 2010s. And I remember when we first started, so after Chicago marathon 2009, I was like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to do another marathon, but I'll do some halves. And back then I remember there were two half marathons in the city of Chicago. It was like, the 13.1 and the Chicago half marathon that happens on the South side in September. And so you kind of knew like, okay, if you're going to run in the fall, you'll do that one. If you run in the spring, you'll do that 13.1. But then very quickly there were half marathons like every month and it became really hard to decide what races to run. And personally, I did decide to run a second marathon. I wanted it to be in the spring. I did a ton of research. Um, and the experience that I had was not great. And I kind of felt like, oh my gosh, it's hard to compare to Chicago, but also I had trained through the winter in Chicago for this spring marathon. I spent money traveling and I was like, you know, I wish I could have read from others what this experience was like, because I don't know if I would have picked this race. It's not a race that exists anymore. So no drama there. Um, And so I was super into Yelp and loved reading people's like restaurant reviews. And so I thought like I'd love to hear from other runners what they thought of certain races now that there were so many to choose from. So Tim, having had like a business development background and a a digital product development background, had that skill set. And then I worked in marketing and advertising. So we launched Be Brave in at the end of 2013.
0: And it's it's been really awesome to see it grow and you know, now you have ambassadors and huge partnerships. And what what's it been like? What were like the early fears, um, the nerves of starting something like that and you know, making that big switch?
1: I think the biggest challenge was we hear in I feel like our news media all about big tech startups and there's this kind of assumption that you spend all this money and build these large companies. we but there's a ton of startups in the world that are not like that where they don't just you know throw a bunch of money in right away they don't like try to grow as fast as possible and we wanted to self fund ours to have kind of total control of where we saw the business going which i think was a really good choice because our business has changed so much since we first launched and if we had had other investors i think it would have changed the way the business grew and developed, because we'd have to, you know, consult with those people versus taking it where we personally wanted to take it. The other thing was, it was a side project for us. Um, We launched in 2013, Tim went full-time in 2015, and I didn't go full-time until the end of 2017. So it had some kind of slower organic growth because we didn't quit our full-time jobs to spend time. And that would have definitely required us to maybe grow faster than we wanted to or could have because we would have had to support ourselves through BibRave alone. But since the end of 2017, it is now both of our full-time gigs, which has been very exciting.
0: Well, and then when you decided to go full-time, what was the rationale behind it? Is it just that you you know you were ready for it?
1: So I will give Tim credit. He, you know, he went full-time in 2015. He had wanted me to go full-time since then and was pushing for it really hard. But as I mentioned, I'm a little bit more risk-averse. So the idea of both of our incomes, depending on the business at that time, when it still was pretty small, was just a, a scary thought. So I was not ready to do it, but he really believed like, okay, if we both were spending our full-time effort on it, it could grow a lot faster. And he was right. Cause once I joined, we were able to grow a lot faster, but I had to be in the right mind space and I wasn't then, but in 2017, um, you know, we had moved out to Portland. I had worked at Nike. I had gotten a job at Runner's World and Runner's World at that time was owned by a company called Rodale and they sold the business to Hearst. And right before they sold the business, I had gotten let go of my position. So that was like a very hard time personally. Anytime anybody's like going through career transition and gets let go from a job, it's like. time for self reflection and it wasn't necessarily because of performance they were just you know cutting people getting ready to sell the company um so i kind of was like where else would i want to work and i had been able to work at some really amazing brands that i loved that i was going to be really really picky it was going to be a very short list but then also it was like okay or i could work for Bib Brave. the biggest like thing for me to get over was can tim and i work full time together i was kind of surprised that tim was so gung-ho, like had no concerns that we'd be able to do it. And we would like, and still do today, we debate about work a lot. We have very strong opinions and oftentimes different opinions. And I was worried about that stress, you know, in our day-to-day life. But what I learned and what we learned together is like, we had to be much more communicative about our different work styles and set up some parameters of ways to communicate better. So in some ways it's forced us to like be much more transparent and communicative in our relationship so that we can function together in a work life, but also in our personal life and and try to manage both.
0: Yeah, we I kind of jumped into throwing Tim in there. We I think we I failed to mention that Tim is your husband.
1: Yeah, yeah. Same. I forgot to mention that too, but yeah. <laughs>
0: And honestly what what is it like working with tim and you know you've mentioned that you've had to like work around different styles of communicating has you know it been difficult have things improve or what is it like working together
1: i would not trade it for anything like i love it so much and the funny thing is when i worked at runner's world i was on the east coast over half of the time, maybe like up to two thirds, three quarters of the time. So we spend a lot of time apart, but now we spend all of our time together. And I really think it's a sign of our ability to like flex. We're like, our our relationship can be super strong if we don't see each other that much, but also super strong when we spend every waking moment together. Um, The biggest things are I'm very much like it. An organizational process person. I need context, and Tim is much more like in the moments um, and and more creative that way. So, for example, before I decided to work for Bibray full time, I was taking some time off. In, you know, after my runners world days, and I was just like in the family room on the couch enjoying my like fun employment. And Tim comes in and wants to talk to me about business, and I. Was I think I had a negative emotional reaction because it was like my space and my time is, I was, who knows, I wasn't even doing anything that important. And so we all of a sudden we started fighting. And then like later upon reflection, I think I was like, you know, I wasn't in the right mind space to brainstorm a, a problem for our business, I was like reading a book and I think I resented the fact that you th- like tried to take that time away from me. This is very much a control issue for me. And I was like, I would rather you set up a meeting and then I can come prepared to ideate and be really productive. Or at least I think I personally just needed a signal like, hey, do you have time to talk about something? And so that seems like really silly, but that makes such a difference so that I can come with the right mindset and. Maybe uh, I, like even in saying it out loud, I think it sounds like I'm very high maintenance and maybe that's the case, but him knowing that has helped. But also on the other side, I have to know like, hey, in the moment, I don't always need need to have the signals and I can be much more like cooperative and flexible. So we're both like trying to meet each other in the middle and having to do that like nine to five every day, or again, even beyond nine to five, has really accelerated our ability to communicate versus like if we were just doing that, In our personal lives.
0: No, I I definitely understand that. And I I think I can be a little like that, like you at times too, where you're just like, I need to be ready to have this conversation Mm -hmm. and not not just like dumped on. So I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the last year has been kind of crazy because your business revolves around a lot of race reviews, you know, partnerships with some of these races and certain products. So what's the last year plus been like for you was no races and, you know, you still have your ambassadors, you know, out there promoting other brands. Has it been pretty difficult for you to?
1: It was, I mean, well, I will say is, or a phrase Tim will use often is it, it was like tolerable, tolerably Bad for Brave. We didn't have to lay anybody off and we didn't reduce any salaries. So we're very proud of our ability to do that. Again, I think being self funded, we're able to just like personally make that decision, even though our business was down quite a bit. But we had a number of really great years in lead up um, that, again, as a business, We manage our finances fairly conservatively. We have a lot of like a lot more capital on hand than what I learned last year is like most businesses have a couple weeks or maybe like a month or two of capital on hand. Thankfully for us, um, we were a little bit more conservative in planning that way. Um, But a big shift for us in the past two years or even three years is... We started out our business back when you knew us in Chicago, mostly promoting races, and we've really grown our brand partnerships in the past two to three years. So now I would say most of our business is working with brands. And as a result, while a lot of the brands struggled initially, um, it's really like they because there was this running boom, you know, like. Everybody couldn't go to the gym. They couldn't go to studio fitness. So people were running. So people were buying running shoes and they were buying running products. So thankfully for us, um, because we had such a strong like running business uh, from a brand perspective, even though a lot of our races were hurting as a business, we were able to make it through um, and then looking to 2021 to be, you know, back on par with where it was in 2019. And, you know, what's some of,
0: I guess, the downtime that you've had a little bit lately, and how is a way that you've grown the business in different way? You mentioned, you just mentioned that you, you know, now work with more, a little bit more brands. How is that your business shifted from largely promoting races to brands? And then, and we've talked about your new series, like the run the escape series, how, you know, how are things like that come about?
1: Yeah, great. Thank you for asking. Um, the biggest thing I think that we love as BitBrave is our entire team are consumers of the sport. We love to run. We've been to a million events and experiences. And a lot of times you you tend to see the same thing over and over again. You know what to expect at an expo or a post-race party. And so we love working with our events and brand partners to try to think, how do we deliver something totally unique and different? So for the most part, when we're partnering with our partners, um, we're, we're trying to like push the envelope a little bit to move the industry forward. So that's been exciting. And then our new uh, kind of project, the Run to Escape series kind of came out of that. So last year, late spring, May-ish, it started to look like races weren't going to come back for all of 2020, which now and it's like, oh yeah, obviously. But back at the time, we still kind of thought Boston might happen in September and there was this hope, but we started to get signals that that might not happen. And our biggest concern was virtual racing right now, you know, and and back then was really just paying a registration fee to get a shirt and a medal. And while we can do that to support the, the race organizations that we want to thrive and exist, you know, after four, five, six, seven, eight more months, is that really gonna be enough for consumers to take out their wallets and pay that registration fee for a thing versus an experience, which is what races are. So our team was proactively brainstorming ideas like, okay, how could we totally transform the virtual running experience? And one of the ideas that came out of that is what eventually became run to escape. Like when you think about running virtually, unless you're on a treadmill, you're not going to get a visual experience because people are running on the roads. They have to pay attention. So it really then became all about audio and how do you connect the runs to each other? Because you have a lot of events there that are out there saying like run across the state or run across America, but other than just getting the miles and there's no other connected tissue. So we truly really tried to think like what type of audio content could you get that would really be different than you just listening to a playlist or an audiobook, or a podcast? And then what would you want to do in between the runs that would really motivate you to run again? And the concept we came up with was creating a virtual escape room powered by running. Now, our team does a lot of escape rooms when we get together for a team off sites. And even our ambassadors, we found when we were experimenting with some apps where you could send each other audio notes, they would send each other puzzles. And People would get the puzzles on the run and then be so excited to come back after the run to see if they got the answer right. So that is the concept of run to escape. It's a series of runs. You get audio content on the run and then you connect it to a puzzle that you have to solve after the run. And only in solving it, you'll get an answer code or an access code. You have to enter that to unlock your next run. And essentially you pay for one fee, but then when you register for the other five runs, they're all free. So it's one cost, six total runs, but it's really, really cool when you solve something and you type in that answer and it unlocks the next run. Like I think you get a huge dopamine hit like if you were in an escape room and you unlock a lock. Um, So that is the concept of run to escape.
0: That sounds really cool, and i didn't I didn't know that the idea came from kind of came from escape rooms. I've never done one before, but this seems like a really cool concept. And you know, who doesn't like getting that? You know, solving a puzzle and that may be hard to you, and getting that like little green light or whatever that says you've you got it correct.
1: Totally, and that is like the whole premise for us is that yes, we you could sign up for a virtual race that says run you know, 50 miles and you have a month to do it. But other than you getting out there, there's no hook. Whereas this, what we've seen, because we did two rounds of testing and now it's live. So people can go to run to escape to register. We've seen in the chatter that people like don't want to do their rest days because they they were so excited. They solved the puzzle, They can't wait to get the next one. And that's the type of excitement that we wanted to create. One thing I will say is we're not Uh, this is not a race or an event. We're calling it an experience. There's no medal. There's no swag. We truly want people to do it for the experience, but we feel like once they get into it and they see that they're getting six different runs with six different puzzle experiences, that they will be like really delighted by it. And I think what's
0: great about it is... That it's something for all levels of experienced runners. I think you I mean, you could even really do it walking. So I think totally. that's the best part about it.
1: Yeah. The distances out of the six runs, it's everything from a 5K up to a 10K. And you don't know the distance of your next run until you solve the puzzle, which is kind of like a fun element. You can take as long as you want to solve it. So you could do one of the puzzle runs a week, you could do six days in a row. So we kind of want it to be self-guided so that people of different ability levels can participate. And the one thing is it is so new, you really have to wrap your head around how to play. So we have this whole like how to play guide with all the instructions. Um, we're partnering with RunKeeper as the presenting sponsor because we're using their app to deliver the audio content based on how far you've run. Um, but because we know it's kind of new and that it might be hard for people to like wrap their brain around it we are offering a flexible refund policy so if you've done two out of the six runs and you're just like i really don't like puzzles i thought i would uh but i'm not enjoying it and i don't want to do anymore you can request a refund so we really want to make it easy for people to try it because we we believe if you try it you're going to love it but also if you're like i really didn't love it there's an option to get your money back
0: That's a a great way to introduce people to something new. And I think from that, they'll get a great experience. It's like going into the store and, you know, having a great return policy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was our hope. And again, because everybody has known racing and virtual racing as one thing. And again, this is so different. We just wanted to make it easy for people to try.
0: And uh, I know we don't have a ton of time left, but I want to ask you a little bit about your Current your running journey at the moment. What's what's running like for you
1: at the moment? Yeah, well, um, it's been a little bit on a downslope recently. So it's been a year since we've been under COVID, and at the at the beginning, I was training for a half marathon PR and training for Boston. So I was like in pretty intense training when we locked down last year, and immediately once all my races were canceled, I was like, I have no motivation to train anymore. I'm just gonna run like a handful of miles and get out there. But then eventually I got the motivation back and I've been running long enough in quotes to know that like my motivation ebbs and flows and that I should just take it for what it is. So last year I actually did do a virtual marathon. I did the virtual Missoula and I ran 26.2 miles by myself, which is something I never thought I would do, but alas, I did it. Um, But more recently I've gotten into CrossFit and that has been super fascinating as a runner because most of us runners don't do a ton of strength training. And I've never done any strength training before. So it's been interesting to try to learn something new and be so bad at it, though so I will say lockdown has made me focus more on the weightlifting and that's improved. So that's been good. I did try to get into Boston this year, Um but I missed the mark by like a minute. So that I thought was going to be my impetus to get back into long distance. But without that, I'm going to have to find another race to put on my calendar to get me running more than like six or seven miles at a time. So still, though, I'm for the most part running like 25 to 30 miles. It's nothing to like bat an eye at, but it's not like crazy training.
0: I wanted to ask you about CrossFit because I did it once and was kind of scared but it seems like you're yes. really enjoying it.
1: Yes. Okay. Let's talk about this. And I can go a couple minutes after too, just to, to make sure we fully explore this topic, because I think mindset is everything. And actually what prepared me for CrossFit was I did a year and a half of hot yoga at core power, and I had never done yoga before. And so I guess similar to marathons, like when I do something, I go all in. So I didn't just go from like, I'll go once a week. I like got a full membership. I would go three to four times a week. And what I loved about yoga is that very, very like core to their practice is honoring wherever your body is that day. And you might not do as well as you did the day before or get as deep into the movements, but that's okay. It's just like, do what you can do today try to push yourself but you know it's you're not going to crush it every day and we as runners need to embrace that more from our training perspective but we're so obsessed with numbers it's harder to do that we're in yoga there's no way to measure your success you're just kind of there doing the poses so i feel like i was able to take that mindset into crossfit where i just was like you know i don't know anything and i'm just going to try to learn as much as i can and not judge myself for how bad i am because i was so so bad. Um, I mean, I used to like just pick up the eight pound dumbbells and now I can like lift triple digits for some of these lifts that I never thought was possible. And a big thing was like, we found a good gym and good trainers who know how to modify and take you on a journey. I've heard stories from other people when they go to gyms and have super hard kit, like hardcore coaches that, um, try to make it too competitive or talk down to people. So I think that's where CrossFit can get a bad rap because each of the gyms get to run themselves and they get to program their own workouts. Um, finding the right community and the right vibe is really important. That's
0: awesome. and. For someone who's risk averse, as you said, that's I mean, that's a pretty big risk you took on yourself.
1: Um, I guess so. I think part of it, though, have you read the book Peak Performance by Brad Stolberg and Steve Magnus?
0: Yeah, I love it.
1: That book. I read it maybe three or four years ago, really changed my life because the fact that like, I think growing up, I was such like an education nut and like focus on school and study. And then later in my life have been like into fitness and personal achievement. And then obviously running and trying to get faster, being able to like marry the path of those two really resonated with me. And I always growing up used to be one of those people who was like, only want to do what I'm good at. And reading that book really showed like, what a bad mindset that is. It really hit me. Like if you don't constantly try to push yourself to do something new or different, like you will just lose the ability for your brain to like function at a high level because you'll just be doing the same thing all the time. So I used to be very adverse to doing things that I thought were scary or trying new things. And since reading that book, I've been really trying to push myself. So a very like funny joke between my friends, is we do a lot of hiking in Portland. I hate river crossings and you have to face them during hikes. So oftentimes I'd almost just like avoid hikes with river crossings. And now I just, I have to like mentally prepare myself. I know it's coming up. It's going to be scary and just push myself to do those things because I can sense after reading that book, if you just avoid things that you're scared of or don't like doing, you could fall into a rut like too early and um, just lose that ability to stay, to stay sharp and like push the edges or the boundaries of what you're able to do. So I think that's what I love about the hot yoga and CrossFit because running sometimes can seem so singular. You can either run farther or faster. You can try different distances, but with CrossFit, there's so many aspects of the sport. There is the heavy lifting. There's some gymnastics, there's mobility. So every, I feel like I can improve one thing, but still have like 10 other things I have to improve. So it seems like I'm constantly on a journey of trying to learn something new. So that's what I've, loved about it. Uh, It can be exhausting, but it can also be addicting if you like to learn new things. So that's my little plug.
0: I think that's great advice for anybody and anything that they're doing. And I'll get you out of here with this question. Okay. What is one thing outside of running slash fitness that you like to do for fun?
1: The, I, I'm going to cheat. Well, no, I'll try not to cheat. I love eating, to be honest. Like food is my passion. So I'm very grateful I've gotten into fitness to make sure that I can continue to eat at the pace that I did when I was younger, um, while not getting larger myself, because I just love food. And I love cooking, though I don't have as much time to enjoy cooking as I used to, but I love food experiences. And I even like I'm an empathetic eater, so it's a really bad habit. I won't be hungry, but if I see somebody else eating, I want to eat, too, because I want to know what it tastes like or I want to like experience that food or cuisine. So... That is like one of my biggest passions. And then it powers all sorts of things. Like I said, cooking, or that's most of the reason I travel is so I can go somewhere to eat their food. Um, So it really just drives my brain a lot.
0: Uh, I don't blame you. And I've been to Portland a few times. I love the eating scene out there. It's just incredible to me.
1: Yes, I definitely, the things that like, you know, I grew up in Chicago, like in the Chicago suburbs and lived in Chicago most of my life that our perception of Portland is totally true. It's like very much that kind of granola, you know, sustainable, organic. But now that I live here, I'm like, that's good. And and, and it's great that like now other regions are starting to adopt those food practices, but I can definitely sense myself becoming a very part of the Portland fabric and being like, all right, let's eat more organic organic let's eat more sustainable stuff and these things are important so that's part of living here and also I think maybe part of getting older that I'm starting to recognize the importance of some of these things
0: yeah uh, I'll get there eventually I'm kind of in the camp (laughs) that uh I'll eat this until someone says I can't anymore
1: (laughs) yeah yeah no I understand all right
0: thank you for your time today I know you didn't have a time but I appreciate you joining me today
1: yeah. Thanks so much for inviting me. It was great to chat with you. And, you know, I haven't been to the Chicago marathon in a couple years, but there was a while I ran it like four or five years in a row, still one of my favorites. So hopefully I'll get back there and get to run into you again.
0: That'd be awesome. Not this year though. I'm, I'm one of the lucky people that got in the Boston, so I will Sweet. not be in town that weekend.
1: <laughs> no worries. You're going to have an amazing race and uh, yeah, we'll run into each other soon.
0: All right. Thanks Jess. Bye. All right, bye. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join me, Jessica. I'm glad we had a good Chicago Marathon that day we met on course. Check out the Run to Escape series on IG at RTE Series. Again, that's RTE Series on IG. I hope you all enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Thank you all for listening and sharing. I'll talk to you soon.